Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you are well, and uh, I am doing great. It's a Friday evening. I have a very special guest. I, look, you won't believe how we met. You know, one of the things that this pandemic, or people say pandemic, is the fact that I am now, uh, I know how TikTok works. You know, I am now, a, I have, I think I have gone viral. I have well over 23K followers and I've had well over 230 likes. Now, before the pandemic, I knew nothing about TikTok, absolutely nothing about TikTok. Uh, I was always on stage delivering speeches. Uh, and when the first lockdown happened, when I was put under house arrest in Britain, and uh, someone suggested that I join TikTok, and I joined TikTok, and I have a video of myself running as if a police dog was chasing me and I was in my uniform and it went viral. And people were saying to me, come to America, come and run for the elections or bonjo for the USA. I just couldn't believe it. So I need to explain why I have a guest from TikTok called Jaden. Uh, a few days ago or weeks ago, I tweeted about Boko Haram and the uh, killing of uh, well over 33 uh, farmers in uh, Nigeria and I tweeted and there was this young man who responded all the way from Florida questioning my knowledge can you imagine questioning this is what happens to democracy never yeah never questioning, questioning my knowledge and I said okay if you know so much about Boko Haram I am going to invite you to my podcast and let's talk about it because he gave some really um, very intellectual responses. And you know, these are things, because I, I think if I remember correctly, I said that um, it was sponsored by foreign powers. And he was one of a few who actually responded and he corrected me. And I said, okay, fine. I demand that I see you on my podcast Friday, drop everything. So can you please give it up? I know you can't, I can't hear you applaud. Give it up for this young man that I'm going to talk to. Jaden de Onofurio. Have I pronounced that name right? Not even close, but that's perfectly fine. No, I, let's start. Let's start. Because if it was a white man who pronounced your name that way, I would say he's being racist. So tell me how you pronounce <laughs> your name properly. De Onofrio. Okay, so where are you from? Um, I was born in New York and I live in Florida now in the United States. Well, that sounds like an Italian name. That's an Italian surname. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. President. Yes. Um, most of my family from my dad's side is from Italy. Ah, excellent. So you're an Italian American. Yeah. Yes, sir. You, yes, so I'm sir. Not talking, I hope I am not talking to the son of a mafia gang per member or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I tell you what, one of my, uh, my uh, great uncles, mafia boss, we're not going to talk about that, though. Ooh, are you keep serious? You got to keep that on the down low. Yeah, yeah, we have to keep that yeah. on the down low. So, yes, David, I was really, really impressed with the response you gave about Boko Haram. And so, welcome to my podcast, If Comedians Rule the World. And I know you're not a comedian, but I have decided um, after uh, having the discussions with my cabinet members that not only do I want to invite comedians to my podcast, I also want to invite people who, you know, are interested in politics. Because what's really interesting for a young man like you 
the way you responded, responded on Boko Haram, you were not even frightened to challenge my presidency. You were so bold and it was like three tweets. You, I, I almost thought that you were gonna write in capital letters. And that's why I said, <laughs> <laughs> I must invite you um, to, uh, to my podcast. So tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. How have you been coping with the lockdown? What, what, what's been happening to you before we go into Boko Haram? Oh, you know, I'll tell you what, shit's been crazy over here in the United States. Um, as you can tell, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm not going to really go in depth on to, you know, why it's crazy over here. I think there's obvious reasons, but, you know, uh, you know, I do a lot of school online, uh, a lot of crazy stuff. I tell you that just a lot of craziness over here. Okay. Got to You got to go crazy with those crazy Americans, you know? Yeah. Crazy Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I know you don't want to, we don't want to go into the details of the American elections. We know you've got a new president. Uh, did you vote? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm too young to vote, but I would have voted for Joe Biden. That's for sure. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Okay. So you're too young to vote, which is, which is fine. How come a young man like you is interested in politics? How come you've got in, you, you know so much about Boko Haram? Tell me a little bit about how that's all begun. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell you, I think I've always had this natural interest in politics and military affairs and national security, you know, since I was young. I don't know what it is. I'm just crazy like that. I guess I'm like a nerd. I don't know if that's what you want to consider me. Uh, I just love those things. Um, ever since I, I was young, I would always read books on, you know, World War II and World War I. And I think that's, you know, to remember history is the most important thing for us to continue forward. Wow. You say all these things. Um... I don't see you as a nerd. Uh, I, I see you as someone who, who has a very progressive mind and it needs to, wants to understand what's happening in the surroundings. I actually think that you are going to end up running either for presidency of America or Italy. I just get the impression, unless you decide- I need the support from you. I no, need your support in this. Well, well, we will, it might just even be a military coup, but who knows? So- Oh boy, <laughs> damn. So you said you've read books, so you were reading books, you read books at a young age. How did you, how, because it's really interesting, because at times I feel like Americans don't necessarily know what's happening outside America. So how did you, how did you get that link in terms of Nigeria and Boko Haram? How did you, and, and actually we need to say this, you do, you're not part of Boko Haram, you're not being recruited, you're just, <laughs> tell me a little bit more. Not that I know of yet, not that I know of. <laughs> um, I'll tell you this, um, you know, you're 100% right about the Americans being, you know, very, um, self-centered. I will 100% admit that we're very isolationist and a lot of our uh, our overview of the outside world is just very, very small, very slim. So, you know, trying to expose yourself to other countries is very important, I think. Um, so, you know, I've worked with uh, uh, various people, very national, various national security experts on different, um, you know, situations around the world, Boko Haram being one example. Um, I think it's very important that we educate as many people as we can to try and fix these issues around the world and, and trying to progressively um, overcome these issues. Okay. So why Boko Haram? So at what age did you start? Um, how, when, at what age did you get involved in security right. issues? It, it, this, is, this is just really interesting that uh, a young man like you, and I don't, I'm, I hope I'm not patronizing you because that's not what I intend no. to do. I'm just... I, fascinated that you I would have thought you would be into rap music and everything else that the oh, don't get me started should... on rap I love rap <laughs> yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so how did, how did that I know you said you love reading books but why Nigeria why Boko Haram right so you know 
last year, um, they, they do certain programs in the United States for, you know, um, for you to get certain experiences. Um, this one was very rare though. It was a summer program where you work with um, certain national security experts, uh, you know, CIA, FBI, um, like the most high up person I, I worked with, who I have, you know, a good relationship with, we talk often about national security issues, um, is the director of um, national counterterrorism for the National Security Council. And we work together on proposing issues, uh, proposing solutions for certain issues um, um, like Boko Haram in Nigeria. Um, so, you know, one of the things we had to help with, uh, or solve was the, um, it was a university called Yobi State University. Um, we had to help prepare them in the case of a, an attack by Boko Haram in that region, because that region is very heavily um, hit hard by uh, Boko Haram. So we would work with these people on a basis of like two months on trying to solve certain issues within Nigeria. And I, I just found that stuff fascinating. And, you know, I continue to work with them to this day. And I, it's just something I love, to be honest. I love helping wow. people and I love trying to solve issues. Wow, wow, that is just, that's just mind blowing. So, okay, that's how you got involved. So what, you might not be able to say this, what, what, do, you, what's your, what do you think has created Boko Haram and what do you think is the solution? If, if at any point in time you feel, because obviously I don't know what projects you've worked on that you, but, and I also don't want you to breach confidentiality, but one of the things obviously that I said was I felt that Boko Haram was sponsored um, uh, by foreign powers because, you know, I have, you know, okay, let me just explain. Originally, I'm from Nigeria. I'm, I was, you know, a Nigerian, but I was so disillusioned about the way forward for Nigeria and then I created my own fictional country called Laughter Republic, my own utopia, because I was just so disappointed with, with Nigeria. And, uh, you know, and even though uh, some people still call me a Nigerian, I, it, it, and it might be that people might think I've got some screws loose, but I actually see myself as a Laughter Republican, you know, president of a great country. I run that country from home. So my view is that uh, you know, well, my view is that, you know, foreign powers, because at one point they said Nigeria was going to um, split into so many states, uh, especially in 2015, when we had some kind of general election. I'm sure you must know this. So um, Boko Haram has been around now for a long time. And some people, some people's school of thought is that Boko Haram is sponsored by the Northern elders, you know, that they are the ones who are sponsoring this to destabilize the whole of the country. So I don't know whether that is true or not, but based on what you what you know, can you what's your understanding of it? Right. So I mean, it's a very huge issue to tackle. Um, it's very possible that Boko Haram is sponsored by, you know, foreign nations, um, foreign entities. Um, you know, you look at the United States. Our involvement in a lot of uh, conflicts around the world is major. We fund. I mean, for example, in uh, Syria, we funded um, extremist groups in the name of regime change uh, for al-Assad. So, you know, it's not too far-fetched, although there's no evidence at this point to say that, you know, the United States or someone, some other country, you know, uh, sponsored Boko Haram. But I will say it's not too far-fetched. Now, as far as the, uh, the issue of trying to um, say why Boko Haram came about, there's a lot of different issues. Um, you know, Nigeria itself is a very uh, poor country, and it's really sad to say, considering that it's one of the most populous countries in Nigeria. If not, I believe it is the most populous country in Nigeria. Their poverty rate is insane. 
Um, and the education rate is not amazing either. Um, so it really comes down to education and the well-being of the economy that leads to these creation of these uh, terrorist groups. Um, it's just the the a lot of these people don't have you know a good life and they have nothing else to do rather than just to pick up a rifle and to try and make money that way. That's the only way they can try and make their money. So there's a lot of different ways you can try and solve this, but to say that uh, you know that we can eventually put those solutions into action, that's very tough to do. It's really interesting you talk about the economy and there we know for a fact there are lots of youths who are unemployed in Nigeria. I will correct you in terms of um, that, yes, the country, you said the country is poor. Actually, the country is rich. It's the corruption, the, the, um, the fact that the distribution of wealth is is not hitting the young people that i 100 agree that that, that yeah. is it because we have nigeria has money nigeria, you have the most oil in the entire uh african continent don't, uh, don't say just, you, you guys, don't say you because i'm not allowed in nigeria now but they they might <laughs> <laughs> know what you mean <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah. mr president um yeah. but the nigerian nation has the most oil in in the entire um african continent and yeah. it's just a it's it's crazy to me that such an oil-rich nation can fall so heavily. And it's just, when I say poor, I, I agree with you on that, on that point. You know, I, I, um, poor as in the people are poor. Yeah. The government yeah. itself should absolutely, you know, they're, they're rich, rich as hell. You know, yeah. they're just super, super rich. And these people are, are really underprivileged and it's really sad. And you mentioned corruption. Corruption is very interesting in Nigeria. I, I consider them to be one of the most corrupt governments in the entire world and it's really really sad to say but there's reports of uh politicians um funding the Boko Haram group to carry out attacks to further their own political agenda yeah so it's just really really terrible certain things that are happening over there yeah but you know um if I can say this corruption is an English word um and it's something that has been inherited by uh the colonial masters and I, I, no country is clean as much as I uh, I don't want to defend Nigeria. You look at America and the elections, that's all full of yeah. corruption as well in terms of right. the sponsors um, right. and all the money that floats around during, you know, political campaigns, obscene money. It's like, if you're a poor man, you can't even run for office. Just don't even think about it. Absolutely. You, can't, you, Absolutely. <laughs> you have to be able to raise the funds. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's um, for me, when I hear about uh, Boko Haram and the, because at one point I thought they had got rid of the leader because Boko Haram is almost very similar to, uh, they don't have the same sophistication like Al Qaeda or like um, the Taliban, but you know, they, right. you know, they, they, they've got, they, they, they've got some resources, but would you say America has been successful in, um, maybe the issues are different actually, but America has been very forceful in terms of dealing with terrorist groups, haven't they? You know, I'm not a huge fan of United States uh, foreign policy. I really, really hate it, to be honest. Uh, there's a lot of conflicts and a lot of people have died because of the United States. You know, I don't want to bring on a whole different topic, but, you know, you look at Venezuela, you look at uh, Yemen, uh, you look at Syria, there's three places right there where it's just really, really shitty 
and that's a lot of it has to do with the United States. Look at um, uh, Libya. Libya has an open slave trade market after the United States intervened in their country. Mm. You would think that after, you know, a, a country as rich as the United States and the biggest military in the world, the smartest people as far as their military assets, you would think that they would be able to, you know, implement a new plan for a lot of these countries. They haven't. They've no, ruined yeah, tons uh, of lives. I, I, I agree with you. And uh, I have to say that even though the, the, the subject for discussion is about Boko Haram, but it is all related because this is why I genuinely believe that um, there are foreign powers involved in this. They want to see these countries um, not stabilized, but actually just, you know, because it, it pays them to see these countries divided. It pays them and to it's, see- it's not a, it's not a crazy conclusion to come to considering how oil rich Nigeria is. Yeah, exactly. Everything revolves around oil. Yes, definitely. Venezuela yeah. is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Oil, oil, oil. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I had this favorite um, joke of mine, you might not find it funny, that if if it, if it was oil in a dog's ass, Nigerians will be able to tap it to find where the oil is because they need that oil. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but if you look at, let's talk about the foreign policy in terms of America, because, and, and, and I know, I, I've been reading a lot as well during this lockdown, I have been horrified by the things America have been involved in in terms of regime change. Yeah. And yeah. It, I jokingly said to someone that I wish we could reverse it, whereby Donald Trump doesn't want to leave office. We as Africans are concerned about democracy and we want regime change as well, you know, just flip it over, flip it over so that we can protect a, a democracy in one way or the other. But, um, I, you know, you know what my, you know what my, my approach to this is, if when you talk about the economy, as much as Nigerians, especially Nigerian politicians are responsible for, uh, the way Nigeria is because they shouldn't have taken the lead over the last 60 years and, ensure that they were meeting the needs of young people the environment the external environment you know the imf the world bank those institutions are not for african countries you know i, I don't know if you you know about uh, imf loans so when a country is is in trouble the imf will give them loans and there's a strict strict they have to reduce their currency and so on that also affects the economy that also affects dissatisfaction amongst young people, even though they're right. not in power. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't, I, I wasn't hoping that we would be able to come up with any solutions because obviously <laughs> what you have said to me is that you don't think that it's a very complex uh, situation. But it, if you were, if you were, if you were, if you were, uh, if you had the opportunity and you were in charge of Nigeria, how would you, how would you sort out Boko Haram? There's a lot of different uh, actions I would take. One yeah. action being with the Lake Chad countries that you have. So that would be, uh, you know, Cameroon, Niger. Um, there's, there's a few other countries in that Lake, Lake Chad area. Increase cooperation with them in um, countering Boko Haram. You know, the, the military cooperation that they have with them right now is very tense. It's not amazing as far as we can tell um they need to strengthen that cooperation and trying to counter Boko Haram 
And as I mentioned, education programs is one of the most important things. You need to get education into these people. I mean, it's just education in America too. You look at America as far as white supremacy groups, their education is severely less than the common person. So it's just really, these people are very disadvantaged compared to the normal Nigerian person. Um, so, and, and, and you could look at the, um, the poverty rates for those areas. Northeastern Nigeria is one of the poorest parts of the country. Um, it's mainly made of, of farmers, I believe. Um, so it's just a very poor part of the country. And, and that's where they're getting a lot of their conscripts from. I believe there's four to 6,000 Boko Haram members and perhaps even triple that amount. So education programs, putting people to work um, and just diversifying your economy. Um, the, the Nigerian economy is mainly based off oil. And they've done a terrible job at diversifying their economy and opening up new ways to allow people to get to work. It's just, I, it really comes down to economic and education factors. But in the means of trying to counter Boko Haram, you really need to strengthen your, your cooperation with the fellow Lake Chad countries. There's just a lot of ways you can really counter them. And it's just not been taken by the Nigerian government for maybe corruption reasons or totally different reasons. It's not really known, but it's just really, really sad. So you, you, so these solutions that you you're talking about, you you believe those have been presented to the Nigerian government and they've just refused to take them on. You know, I mean, those are really the only solutions you have. That's the way to prevent you know terrorism from continuing in a non-ending cycle, like we've mm -hmm. seen in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. The Middle East will never get solved as far as their terrorist groups because education programs are not you're not really able to place them over there. It's a never-ending cycle over there. Nigeria can fix it because of the amount of money they have, but it just doesn't trickle down to the people. Mm. It trickles up. It mm. just stays. Well, it doesn't even trickle up. It just stays with the government. It just stays there. <laughs> and you see that with the United States. Uh, when Reagan was in office, he said trickle-down economics. It didn't trickle down. It just stayed with the, the wealthy and the, yeah. the government. Yeah. yeah. So it's just – it's a lot of different factors that are contributing to this never ending cycle that will likely persist as long as you have, or as long as Nigeria has Mohamedou Buhari and, and, and um, uh, that government uh, um, in power, it's going to continue most likely. Wow. Let's flip it around because uh, America has had such a very difficult couple of weeks. It looks like the elections hasn't ended. Um, with the number of last time I switched on Twitter, someone wrote Donald Trump has won. <laughs> and it happens to they're be gone. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, exactly. They're delusional. Yeah. Do you think, because at one point, I genuinely thought that America will have some kind of civil war. I just thought that was what was going to happen. We know that there are white supremacists. I've seen videos, I don't know how far these videos are, where they're basically saying, Oh, you know, if he doesn't win, we're going to get out there and fight. Right. Do you, right. do you, do you believe that there could possibly be an American Boko Haram in the future? We already do have one. Yeah. It's plain and simply the white supremacist groups. There's so many different ones here. They present the biggest domestic terrorist threat in the United States. Yeah. Trump is delusional, straight up delusional. <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest. I never thought we would have an idiot for a president, but here he was. He survived. This it's guy, America. He survived. I, 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 if there is no better 
example of America than Donald Trump becoming president. I will tell you that. Um, Donald Trump likes to press things on Antifa. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know what that is, if you've heard no, of no, that. No, 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 I've heard of Antifa, yeah. Okay, good. So Antifa, like, that was his main scapegoat for some reason. That's what he would say is the biggest domestic terrorist threat here. I don't even, I don't, there is no members of Antifa here, first of all. Second of all, Antifa is called, it, it's anti-fascist. It's an mm -hmm. anti-fascist group, mm -hmm. loosely based, you know, variously around the United States. There might be members, sure, but it's not a centralized organization. Mm -hmm. It's just your neighbor just saying, I'm part of Antifa. Well, mm -hmm. if you're part of Antifa, then you're just anti-fascist. Congrats. Mm -hmm. You know, Trump is trying to say that there's a huge organization of Antifa people that are super violent, pressing all these terrible violence into the streets. It's just totally false. Our biggest domestic terrorism threat is white supremacy groups, and they've proved it time and time again. There's been hundreds, if not thousands of people that have died because of white supremacists mm -hmm. in the United States since, you know, 2000, for example. I mean, look at 9-11. After 9-11, the, I, I wasn't alive for this, but you could see through tons of different sources, the hate crimes towards um, Arabic people, horrendous, you know, and, and a lot of people generalize a whole entire race because of one specific person's doing or one wow. specific group's doing. And it's so, really, really bad. Okay, so you've got American Boko Haram, the version of American Boko Haram. That they're out there. It's just a different way in terms of their it's approach. It's a totally different warfare. I will yeah. say that. You know, yeah. you're not going on the streets and you're seeing people getting shot or getting beheaded yeah. by yeah. like the farmers in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the warfare is still there. It's mm. a totally different warfare. It's our version of the Boko Haram. Wow. And it's terrible. Wow. Look, this has been such a very interesting and enlightening discussion. And uh, I, I'm trying to remember when I was really young. Uh, I don't know how old you are. Do you mind telling me how old you are? I'm 15. Wow. I, I, I never thought of politics at the age of 15. <laughs> <laughs> I was into Michael Jackson. Jerry coiling my hair, trying to be. Oh, Michael I love Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Michael Jackson. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> but look, this has been really interesting. I, I, I'm, I, it's, it's food for thought, and you've made me, uh, actually think about uh, guests that I need to bring to my shows because, like I said, I started this podcast on the basis that I wanted comedians to come and talk to me. Um, and then I've made up my mind that I wanted to extend it to other people, like-minded people, because the whole idea is just, you know, choose a particular topic um, that we can talk about. And this has been, this has just been enlightening. I want to wish you well uh, and success in your uh, future endeavors. And uh, no doubt we shall uh, keep in touch on TikTok and <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, I'm going to be following your journey because I want to see where where you're going to head to. Where what 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 are your plans? What where where are you planning to go? In where do you think you're going to be in ten years' time? That's a very tough question. I think I want to join the military, spend 20, 30 years, come out, do politics. I'll have a solidified career, solidified resume. But hey, you never know. It's the United States. Anything happens here. 
Yeah. Anything happens. Yeah, I know, I know. I know you might. And or maybe just, become a dictator like you. No, I would, I, would, <laughs> I would not. I would not recommend that you become a dictator. <laughs> unless, unless you have a situation like America where it's so messed up right now. Do you, do you, I'm, I'm going to ask you one question. Um, because I genuinely believe that um, uh, I, I believe that Trump will come back in four years' time. Um, I would say no because of the fact his age. He's very, he would be very, I think he's going to be 80 almost by the time he would run again. Yeah, so he just and needs a little bit more regen, regen, regen from that COVID medicine. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go on, go on. Um, I, I, it's just, I think his age is going to be a big problem for him. And you have, you also have to consider the fact my generation, which would be Gen Z, a lot of us are going to be able to vote in that 2024 election, a huge base of us. Mm. Gen Z hates Trump rightfully. So, I mean, it's beautiful to see you go on TikTok. TikTok is hugely Biden. It's a lot of Gen Z people. Um, and I just don't see Trump even coming close to winning again. I don't even think the Republican Party likes him. I mean, you see reports of half of the uh, Republican congressmen hate him. And it's a beautiful thing to see because I hate him too. You know, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> but okay. um, I don't see it again. I don't see it happening again. Okay. Um, you used a, a, a phrase, Gen Z. What is that? <laughs> Gen Z? Yeah. Ah, it's, it's, uh, it's a generation. You know, I, I'm a part of Gen, Generation Z. Uh, okay. I don't, they don't name it over there in Britain? I, no, not that I'm aware of. I don't. Oh, okay. Or maybe it's, it's a social, like, maybe it's a social media, um, a social no, media, maybe it's a social it's media a, language. Maybe. I mean, see over here we have Generation Z, which would be my generation, the newest one. And if you're born, uh, let's say if you're born after 2000, you're yeah. a part of Generation Z. Before yeah. that, if you're a part of, uh, if you're born, um, from 1980, for example, I don't know what the exact dates are. You would be yeah. a part of Generation Y, yeah. and it's totally different generations. I didn't know that that they didn't do that over there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, but it's it's really interesting. I mean, I have to say to you, there's so so many terminologies and acronyms that uh, <laughs> I have picked up from TikTok. I'm trying to remember one that threw me. Um, I just didn't understand what they were saying. It was almost like saying, uh, ooh, "I'm trying to remember now." I can't remember. If I remember, I will, I will message you. But it was one that I thought, wow, you can't say this to me, but actually it didn't mean anything. It was just, <laughs> it was that, just... Yo, that happens to me all the time too. I, yeah. I'm a part of Generation Z. I don't even know. You I'm mean, sitting there, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. But look, uh, Jaden, this has been fantastic. I hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, there, there won't be any editing of it. I might publish it tonight or publish it tomorrow, depending on how I feel. Um, but, um, let me know if there's anything at all. Are you comfortable for me to release this? Yeah, for sure. I'm okay. down. Yeah. Have you enjoyed it? I loved it. Okay. I cool. love spending time with the president. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look, Thank you. Um, uh, we, we will, we will stay in touch. I will let you know when I, it will go on YouTube. So, uh, uh, share it. Uh, you'll be on YouTube and, it's going to be really interesting. This is just a very interesting dynamic. Uh, uh, a TikTok fan 
talking to his president <laughs> and we're talking about politics we haven't <laughs> we spoke about Boko Haram. um <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um this is one of many reasons why i uh, started this podcast uh i want to wish jaden uh every success uh, uh his uh, future and uh, they say uh, i remember uh Muhammad ali and this song uh, something to do with our future. I can't remember it now. It has escaped me. There's a song, the children are our future, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember it. But, um, sing it, sing it all. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't remember it now. But actually, I've just found this, uh, you know, I wish I could go back to when I was 15 uh, and start all over again. I was just so playful. I was just so playful. That's why I ended up becoming a comedian. I was really, really playful. If you had said to me, I'd be talking... Uh, talking about politics at the age of 15. Now, I was outside in Nigeria talking to a little lizard every time my parents upset me because that was my friend, just a little lizard. <laughs> but look, Jaden, thank you so much. My listeners, this is uh, another episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. We spoke about Boko Haram. We spoke about white supremacists. We spoke about America's involvement in other countries. And you have met a young, brilliant man. And uh, see you soon. Thank you, Mr. President. Have a good one. Bye.